and welcome to Press YYZ episode 26. That means we've been doing this for half of a year, six whole months. Can you guys believe it? I can't believe it. It, we are recording this live. I know, right? Hard to believe. We are recording this live on twitch.tv slash pressyyz on July 22nd, 2020. Uh, we do this every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's Toronto time. Um, and don't forget, if uh, you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime. We are affiliate. You can, you can help us out. It's great. I'm your host today, AJ Fraser, joined by Alex Cozina. Hey, hey, hey. I thought we would never say if you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime, but we just said it, and I it brought a smile to my face. We also said it last week. We are also joined by Mitch George. <laughs> These last six months have felt like three and a half years. And Nathan McInerney. Uh, is this where I'm supposed to say something? Yeah, something witty. Yeah. Uh, something witty. Uh, girthy. Uh, girthy. Yeah, perfect. Girthy. Uh, today... Uh, baby boy Ballant won't be joining us because he's got to like move or th- yeah, like some friggin' loser. Like, who needs who stuff? Who's during a pandemic? I know he's gone I through know. a uh, he's going through a halo coma right now in preparation for the Microsoft showcase tomorrow. I heard he was binging Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, probably. he should be. You know what? I, I bet he's a secret closeted Kingdom Hearts fan. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, so in his stead. Uh. It's been long rumored that I have a friend in the game industry. And, you only uh, talk about it like every week. Every other week. Let's be real here. All right. Okay? Sorry. Sorry. All right. Well, uh, and we were, we are proud to announce that we have our first guest on the podcast, and he is that guy, my personal friend, Ben Wander. Yay. Yay. Yay! Just to be clear, I think friend is a bit strong. Like, you know, we can work up to that if you want to, but... I mean, I did kind of stand up with you at your wedding. Yeah, okay, fine. I guess that yeah. that, that counts. If you stood, I was, you're a friend. I, I, will, I wasn't your best man, but I stood up there. All <laughs> there right? <you> go. <laughs> to be fair, we didn't oh. have a best man or, or, a, or a lady, so uh, it, it counted. Yep. You're, you're one of five. There you go. You've, you've outed me. We're actually friends. Fine. Okay. Ah, uh, got him. Got him. He, grow, he grows down. on you like some sort of leech, doesn't he? I was he? trying to not make that public, you know? I, I guess <laughs> you know. I guess I have to. You've got to protect your image, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So what are you guys drinking tonight? Any Anybody? Straight vodka. H2O. No, it's 100% water. Just water? Oh, man. I was told I had to bring a beer. For now. I got beer in the fridge. This yeah. is 86 Nick. It's from uh, the brewery across the street from me called call to arms which is the best brewery that i've been to in the world i live in denver colorado though so that might be a little bit far away from you guys uh nick is the manager there who's been there for like five years or something and he's about to Mm -hmm. leave and so they made a a big uh middle finger to him uh to wish him well in everything that he's doing Uh, so i i drink to you 86 nick and this is a mochi inspired rice lager um, wow, mochi! I love mochi. Yeah, so oh, that's very Pour, interesting. Pouring one out for Nick for Nick leaving at the end of the month. You, so were you in the in the chat before the show? You mentioned that you had to run across the street and grab a beer. You were not kidding. No, or no, this was. I went across the street and got a beer. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, tonight, I've actually got a hard apple cider with strawberries from a little place called Downey's Farm. Um, 
Yeah, it's um, it's it's actually super good. We went. I mentioned last week that the weekend prior, I went strawberry picking, um, and uh, they were selling these, and it's kind of addictive. It's 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 a really good cider. I like it. So we talk about video games on this show, right? Do we? I thought we did from time to time. I thought we reviewed beverages. I mean, that's what I do on this show. I don't know about the rest of you. Shit. Okay. (laughs) Shit. Oh, sorry. I get confused. Man, I gotta say. Can I just say something right off the bat? You know, we've had some like awkward, like confusing openings to this show in the past. I feel like this might be one of the messiest. Honestly, I think you guys are just nervous to be around my personal friend here. Are we? It's you more than anybody, I think. Well, you guys. I feel like you're still trying to prove yourself to him in some way. I don't get it. Like, I know know we're not a legitimate podcast, but you're you're not wrong there. But also, I've had one of these ciders prior to the show, so that Ah. could have something. Let's get let's get to the show proper. What the hell have you guys been playing? Ghost of Tsushima. How is it? It's. I I can't stop playing it. It is so. It it is the game I needed right now. I'm not. I, I've historically not been into the open world checklist, clear every question mark off the map. But after like the, the experience that I've had this year with Final Fantasy VII Remake and with The Last of Us Part Two being very narrative heavy, very linear, I feel like this is just kind of the escape I needed from that, if that makes sense. like I feel like it's going to be more of a slow burn for me going through and and clearing all of these things on the map and learning more about this world. And I, I finished a side quest. And it's not to say the writing in this game is anything to snuff at. I finished a side quest the other day and I audibly gasped at the outcome because it was not at all what I expected. And I'm not going to say anything here, but if anyone wants to talk about Ghost of Tsushima, which I still cannot pronounce, uh, side quests offline, feel free to reach out to me. But it's it's a hell of a good time combat feels almost like batman the arkham games which is really great i've heard this game described as like japanese batman it is is the batman ninja game i never knew i needed oh and i cannot wait like so i spent a couple of days not at home and i didn't take the playstation with me and the entire time i was away one i was playing another game for review which i'll probably talk about next week but on the switch all I could do was think about Ghost of Tsushima. I needed to get back to it. I need it so bad. It's so good. I uh, So, like, I, I've listened to a lot of preview coverage for this game over the past week or so. This is a bit of a random question, but the reason why I'm asking it is because I don't think that I've heard it from any of the previews that I've heard of this game. Is there any... Are there any supernatural elements in this game at all? Nothing I've encountered yet. Uh, granted, I'm only... I've only finished, like... So the game, I think, just based on the map, is divided up into three acts. I've only finished the main story quest for the first act. And then I've just been running around the map clearing as much as I can. But to answer everyone's question, I know everyone wants to know, yes, you can pet the fox in the game. Hell yeah. I mean, that sounds that sounds cool. This seems like the kind of game that is, like by and large, a fairly grounded experience. But tucked away within a little corner, you would find something vaguely supernatural or something a little bit unsettling. Again, but, nothing. I'm. I've been unsettled, but that's more so a factor of the the writing than. Okay. Again, that one that one side quest just sticks with me. But yeah, nothing supernatural that I've run into thus far. But if I do, I'll be sure to let you know, cozy. Is it All supposed right. to be historical? Like, is it actually in in Japan? 
and, it's, and like yeah, as, as, yeah. Far, as far as I can tell, yeah, it's it's as historically accurate as they could have it be cool. in Tsushima, Japan. It's very. I mean, there are things that are not quite as authentic. Like you do have some crazy it, like ghost tools as they call them, or ghost. Game. Yeah, that are more like smoke bombs and kunai and things like that that a traditional samurai might not use. But that's also uh, woven into the the narrative, which I really appreciate. All right. Um, well, I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but uh, Mitch, you yes. were able to get me a code for a game called Ooblets. I did. Yeah. I did get you a code. Yes. Game provided by, by Pop game, Agenda. So by by game provided by Ooblets is what I'd prefer to yes. say. Because that just tell me about the oobs. I need yeah. to know about the oobs. So I, in the last week, I have not put any more time into it. Um, I've put more time into Minecraft. Um, what I've talked way too much about Minecraft at this point. Um, but yeah, Ooblets, um, it's, it's like, I've, I've heard it described and I actually agree. It's like Stardew Valley meets Pokemon in a way where you're kind of like growing items to kind of attract the Ooblets and catch them and make them, I don't know, part of your team. And there's, there's battles, but there's like, but they're dance battles and you you make the yeah you make your ooblets dance battle each other but with playing cards is how you do your moves wait what yeah it's it's a whole thing and it's it's early access right now or what is it what do they call it game preview on xbox um game preview on xbox yeah and early access on the epic game store it's a little unbalanced in the sense that uh all the you, you just stomp all over your enemies, pun intended, because you're doing dance battles and stuff. But there, there's a bit of a story and everything. You're trying to collect all the ooblets on this island and stuff, and you're, you've got basically the farm from Stardew Valley. It's it's weird. I, I'm intrigued by this game, but man, it feels like this game has been in development for 17 decades. Yeah. Like it, it feels like this game won't come out, but I... I I'd be interested in checking it out when it finally fully releases. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that I think I don't want to pick up until uh, my my girlfriend is sitting beside me, and then I just hand her the controller and see what she does with it. Hmm. Because, you know, she's not into games necessarily, but she's into the cute stuff. Um, does and, she like Animal Crossing? Uh, she hasn't personally played uh, the newest Animal Crossing, but she's played Animal Crossings in the past, um, and yeah. It, yeah, it's just it's it's one of I mean, those you, games that go ahead. you you you, de- you described this game as Pokemon with dance battles and a card battling system mechanic. Yeah, those are literally three of my favorite things. So I am one hundred percent sold you on should. this. I have to give it a shot at some point. Absolutely, you should have taken one of the codes while you had the chance. I don't have a PC at this point. I have a eight year old laptop that barely runs Discord. Play it on Xbox One. Then I'd also have to own an Xbox One. Yeah. Oh, why do I think you had one? I don't know, but it was a funny joke. You tried, that's for sure. What else you guys been playing? I mean, I've been playing a lot of God of War 2018's post-game. Uh, you know, on previous episodes of the show, I talked about how I was a little bit disappointed by how long God of War 2018 was. I thought that it's 
length resulted in certain moments not hitting as they should have and ultimately I came away being like I feel like the game could have been five to ten hours shorter and it wouldn't have been any lesser of an experience. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless I am having a lot of fun like completing all the various side quests that are left in God of War's world finding all the collectibles and whatnot and thankfully I seem like it it feels to me like I'm kind of shortly going to be reaching the end goal in sight to all the various side quests in the game. It doesn't feel like I'm going to be going on much longer, uh, which is really, really good. And while I'm not ready just yet to say God of War 2018 is one of my favorite games of all time, I will say that historically, some of my favorite games of all time tend to be games that I found great enjoyment with after I completed them, either through multiple playthroughs or through side quests and the like. So who knows, this could completely turn the game around for me when I finally get through with that stuff. Um, In addition to God of War 2018, I also played a little game on some of my streams by the name of The Automan Empire. Uh, So this is an indie game that was developed by a little developer in the UK called TryHeart Interactive. Uh, Full disclosure, we received a code from TryHeart Interactive to check out this game. Um, It's basically a third-person cooperative uh, shooter uh, that's available for the Nintendo Switch and PC at the moment, uh, in which you control various otters in a futuristic empire that must basically defeat robots and complete objectives within a certain allotted amount of time within these small little arenas. It it looks like Splatoon. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Uh, I was thinking by looking at this. Splatoon is like 100% an influence on this game. I would say more so in terms of aesthetic than in terms of the actual gameplay, with the exception of what you just witnessed right here, which is that basically you can dip into uh, the water to kind of recharge uh, your ammunition for your uh, weaponry. Does the jetpack feel Uh, better than the jetpacks in Anthem? Mm, I, I have not played Anthem. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that I say that, I mean, a lot of people in the previous cycle for Anthem were like, hey, flying in Anthem feels great. So I feel like Anthem might be better, actually, but I don't know with certainty. It, it's uh, okay, I'm, Cozy. It was a joke. Oh, so wait, what, were the jetpacks in Anthem really bad? I have no idea. It was more so a joke of trying to just talk about Anthem because nobody's talking about Anthem. That's a good point. This game... I think could be really compelling in the future after some certain updates. I think that there's clearly a road ahead for the developers of this game to continue to improve upon what they've made right here. As it stands right now, I think that the game is a little bit rough around the edges. Um, so I'm I'm excited to you know see how this game continues to improve and evolve in the future. Uh, especially considering that you know, one of the developers of the game, originally the way that I heard about this game is one of the developers reached out to me uh, on the Discord server for Gamers, which is the YouTube channel I write for. So it, it's really cool that I have you know uh, development friends within uh, that community I'm part of and that they sought to reach me out. But like I said, I think that there is a road ahead for this game and I'm interested in seeing if it manages to take full advantage of that road. See, AJ, you're not the only person with game dev friends. So there. I mean, I mean, Cozy didn't say it, so I did. Yeah, fair enough. Fair I mean, we already established that friend is a loose term, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, we haven't heard a lot from you. What have uh, you been up to? I've been super quiet because uh, two of the games I've been playing, one I got today and um, one I got a few days ago, I can't talk about yet. Of 
course. One of them comes out tomorrow morning and the review will go live in the wee, or wee hours of the morning. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it t uh, next week on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so fingers crossed. Um, if you guys check out my Twitter, I'll post the review. So please check it out. Um, I think it's a well-written review, but take a peek. Let me know your thoughts. Um, I did spend a bit of time this week with uh, Watch Dogs 2 on PC from the Ubisoft event. Ooh. Uh, from watching it. I platinumed it on PS4, but I was like, I missed Watch Dogs. And then I started playing it. I'm like, oh, I really miss Watch Dogs too. This is a good game. Mm -hmm. How excited are you then for Legion? You know, I'm going to say I'm more excited for Watch Dogs 2 than I am Assassin's Creed. You mean Watch Dogs Legion? Or Watch Dogs Legion than Assassin's yeah, no Creed. Worries. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. I think I'm in the same boat. I just, I like the mechanic they're building of you can literally play as anybody in the game. I think it's, it's super ambitious. Like, in just I'm, in terms of the, the technical aspect of it that I'm just, I want to see if they can hit it. I'm just worried about, um, like, I really like the main character in Watch Dogs 2 and having a situation where we're switching between characters. I don't know how that's going to feel. Like, am I going to have that same attachment like I had with Marcus? Yeah, that, that's, that's, so. that's sort of something that I've kind of noticed, like, narratively, like, two things can happen. You either get attached to the one main character you play as, uh, like, for example, playing Ellie in The Last of Us, or uh, your own created character that you make at the start of the game. Um, mm -hmm. And so when you're not creating these characters, like, it, I can imagine it being like you get attached to your your team in, like, XCOM or something like that, where, you know, they could die at any point and whatever, but I don't know. Yeah, there, there's definitely a weird disconnect there. So I, I'm curious to see how that turns out. I still think Watch Dogs could be delayed one more time. We'll see. If I were uh, Ubisoft, I'd save it to the spring and not release it a month away from Assassin's Creed. That seems too close together. Um, and it's, what, days away from uh, Cyberpunk, right? Uh, Assassin's Creed is two days before Cyberpunk. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Watch Dogs Legion is Halloween. Okay. Sorry, it's it's a little bit before. I think it's the it's either the thirtieth or the thirty first. I think it's the thirty first. Fair enough. Then I played played some Animal Crossing, which we don't have to get into detail of, but I'm closing on six hundred hours of Animal Crossing. Jesus Christ! Uh, and then we should watch uh, Ham Hamilton do a Hamilton spoiler cast because I've seen it twice. I've watched it three times. Let's do it. You guys go ahead. We we very well might. Are we? Sure. If you want, I know Cozy, you weren't in interested in watching it after your parents watched it or started it without you but we'd be happy to have you nathan you you mentioned games you cannot talk about for review i actually finished a review and it's Ooh. up and i can talk about the fact that i've played a lot of i don't know if you i, I guess we'd call it hashtag fun time that's what i would gather by it i i'm assuming that was more for twitter than anything else but it's actually a really fun twin stick shooter it, i was gonna say it looks like geometry wars it is geometry wars mixed with tron light cycles is the best way to describe it so there, there's like a color shifting mechanic that you control with the four face buttons and if the color of your trail matches the color of the enemy they get blown up and you earn even more points it just it was the kind of game i needed right now between some of these bigger triple a experiences it was a lot of fun i could it was hard to pull myself away from it to play ghost of tsushima to be honest and actually there was a moment where i booted up the ps4 to play some more iron man vr because i really want to finish that still but fun time was right there mm -hmm. and i played that instead and y'all know how big of a marvel fanboy i am uh the fact that i wanted to play that over jumping into more iron man vr definitely says something about the game so you're saying you had a fun time i had a hashtag fun time i'm proud of you thank you ben we have I'm not grab a drink. heard a lot from you yet and i understand you're new here but uh 
you can speak up whenever you want. You can interrupt whenever you want. There's no boundaries for yeah. you. Uh, for the yeah, record, I don't, I don't know how you won't have talking over people. You see, it just happened now. I'm like, the first time I've talked in like ten minutes, and I'm yeah, already exactly. talking over people. Exactly. This is, is going to sound terrible on audio. What am I doing? <laughs> don't worry, we are all in the same boat. Uh, we have the same problems all the time. What have you been playing aside from the game that you're making? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of the game that I'm making. That's that's the number one. In fact, if I want to talk about the game I'm playing the most, it's Airborne Kingdom. But the, we will we the, will talk go about for that it. Later for sure. But. Well, the, yeah, well, you so, want to talk about it now. Talk about it now, by all means. No, I mean, the, the biggest game I've been playing outside of that is, is uh, I think, like, probably because of quarantine, a game that so many people I know have randomly picked up in the last couple months, and that's Sea of Thieves. Uh, and it's this amazing co-op experience with, uh, you know, just silly, wacky pirates and... There's no progression. There's no gating. You can do just everything you want at once. Um, and I know it came out like three years ago or something. Two or it three had years ago. really like not enough content. I mean, people were, were, were giving it grief from all over the place because it didn't have enough to do. They have stuck with that thing because there is way too much in that game. It's like it's brimming with everything to do with all these like amazingly wonderful kind of uh um, experiences that just come out of nothing like a, a, a lot of it comes out of it being multiplayer you're playing with your friends it's called sea of thieves so you're trying to steal from other people while trying to do your own quests and things mm -hmm. um, and it, it just leads to all these emergent experiences that i haven't had with really much else recently um, and it helps because it's like a chat room with friends um, and it is it's what we've called like the the most dad game in that the shooting is terrible in it the, the sword play is awful, but what that means is everybody has like the same amount of crappy controls. And so you're just hacking at people like this. And when you die, it never really feels your fault or that they really did anything well, but it's okay. Cause you come back in like 30 seconds. And if your ship's still there, you're like right around there. You can jump out of your boat and it's fine. Cause you just hail a mermaid and then you're back on your ship. It's, it's so, it's like the lowest amount of stress that's possible at all. Um, and so I don't know, it's like, and, and you can play as much as you want or as little as you want. And you're in the exact same place. Like you might have a cooler scarf or, or, you know, a hook or peg leg or something, but nobody's left behind. So, uh, I've been playing with like three different groups and, wow. uh, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's so, so much fun. Um, I've put in even in the last like two weeks or three weeks that I've been playing it, I've put in like a hundred hours, which is uh a lot for me i don't i mm -hmm. don't play games as much anymore that aren't my own game yeah um so it's uh it's been it's been quite a blast i've had a good time sounds like there's a sea of content to enjoy hey yeah i originally <laughs> played um sea of these when it first came out um and yeah there was like not a lot of content there but like um ben our friend taylor and i played you know a good handful of hours uh, of that at the start and you know, it's just him and I on a boat, and we're just sailing the open seas, just having a good chat, and then suddenly off in the distance, oh shit, is that a boat? Is that a Oh god, it's another boat. Oh fuck, they're gonna steal our shit. They're gonna fuck. What are we gonna do? What are we, are we gonna fight them, or what are we gonna... It, it, it's so many emergent moments like that that, that that just happen organically, right? And you, like, it, like, every island in that game is, like, instanced in a way that, like, um, you know, when... You know, you won't lose somebody if you're if you're right on their tail necessarily. But you know, if 
it, it you know if they get far enough away from you 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 know they'll just disappear completely but you know we had we definitely had you know a, a good amount uh, enough fun in that that i'm glad they stuck around and continued supporting it for as long as they have and i'm glad to hear that there's like it, it's almost like a, a a no man's sky uh scenario yeah. where it, it, no man's sky came out you know to a lot of backlash where sea of thieves kind of came out to not a lot of I don't know. Uh, you can it. call you can call yeah, it backlash. It was, I think you could call, you could call it backlash. I don't think Sea of Thieves had backlash, like not the way No Man's Sky did. I mean, there was a lot of pedigree behind it with the fact that it came from Rare. People expected it to be there this was game. Strong disappointment, they, but there wasn't backlash. I would say the same of No Man's Sky, though, right? It, no, it was, there was heavy backlash. A lot eh, of backlash. Okay. The, there was backlash for No Man's Sky. I would almost say Sea of Thieves came out like a wet fart and just went away. Yeah, so it's a good analogy. Uh, well, yeah, if you if you haven't played it, it's it's wonderful. I mean, like I'm I'm having a really really great time with it, and it's the perfect game to like catch up with people during COVID. I feel like I'm hanging out with mm-hmm. more people than I normally do because I'm like an indoor cat a lot of the time. So when uh you know when everybody's stuck inside, great, we can just play games together. This is this is what I want to do. I'm in I'm in my chair. We're playing a game. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I've had a similar experience with that with uh, our co-host who has forsaken us for the night. What a jerk. And that we've got a group together and we've been playing a lot of Predator hunting grounds in the same Ooh. sort of vein of let's get a group of five guys together, hop into Discord, uh, just hang out, chat. One person mutes themselves. They, they hop out when they're the Predator and we all freak out as soon as they show up. And it's great. Ton of fun. But I think... As someone who didn't play a lot of multiplayer games before quarantine, thank God for multiplayer games. Seriously, yeah. No, no. my wife spends a bunch of time on, on the phone with her friends, and I don't know how she does it. And then I, I ask her what she's doing and then come upstairs and play games with my friends as if it's any different. Like, we're just hanging out and playing dress-up. That's really all it is. Yeah, but, okay. But you have, you have that added feature of dress-up that you can play, that you can say you have with your friends, where... She's just talking on the phone. So really, you're one-upping her there. It's Yeah, it's true. It's true. I often it's tell true. my wife that I'm one-upping her and just yeah. about everything. I mean, you can also just tell her it's market research. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're well, still that, working. I'm sorry. It's coming home. That's what I tell the tax man. So I feel like I should tell my wife <laughs> the same thing. Understandable. Uh, For sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, if uh, nobody has anything else to say in regards to what they've been playing recently... How about we talk a little bit about the news? Ooh. Is there go- everything's good, right? Yeah, all good news, right, Mitch? You put all good news <sighs> in the- here. There's what no the bad fuck, news. Ubisoft. What the actual fuck? Okay. Remember, my mom's watching stop. this one. You can't I'm swear. S- <laughs> I'm sorry, Cozy's mom, but it it was necessary for this one. You sure? Uh, I think so. What for the, the record, I couldn't even access the original article that you linked to in our run of show. I had to go to Forbes.com because apparently Bloomberg only allows you to view a certain number of their articles every month. Oh, I hate that. Ugh. That's the there, worst. There are, there are ways around it, but also they also deserve support it. Your, yeah, support your favorite content creators. Support your local newsmen. But in the meantime, uh, uh, Jason Schreier of Bloomberg has put together a uh, scathing expose with a number of interviews of current and former ubisoft employees talking about how poorly they've uh, mismanaged the sexual assault and assault allegations that have come to light over the past couple of weeks i know we talked about this as well last week 
there aren't a lot of new tidbits here, but it is just more of a, like, there was one occasion where Ubisoft sided with a victim. The, the company removed their boss, but that person was not forced out of the company, and they gave the woman a gift card, like, like it's what? some sort of recompense for what they allowed to happen. It, man, it, it just, it boils my blood to see this kind of thing happening to anybody, and it sucks that it's... Um, happening within a developer that i think most of us feel has done a pretty good job of you know at least as a public facing company put on a pretty good face over the last few years i mean it's a low bar set by some other competitors in in activision blizzard or ea but like what the heck ubisoft yeah seriously um actually i want to turn this over to uh ben for a moment ben you okay so we haven't gotten into your your game industry history so much, you know, very much yet, uh, but we will get there. But you, you did work for some various EA companies. Uh, is there anything you can speak to as to, like, the culture there and, like, how things were handled and how you handled certain issues that may have come up in this, in this nature? It didn't mean to get so serious on your first time on this podcast. No, totally. Oh, oh, I think... oh, and if we if we ever get to anything that you don't want to speak yeah. to or don't feel comfortable speaking to, please just let us know and we'll, we'll immediately change the subject. No, absolutely. I don't think I, I'm going to out anybody here. Like, I'm not going to mention any names or anything um, that, that haven't come out. First of all, in, in the AAA space, um, I didn't know of anything like this that happened. I know some of this stuff that, that's come out of the indie space, but in the AAA space, I worked at... Um, I, I was an intern at EA Mobile way back in the day, but my longest stints were at uh, Bioware in Edmonton and at Visceral Games in uh, San Francisco. But yeah, both of, uh, or I guess all of those studios, nothing that I knew really came out of them in, in this sense. Um, but I, I will say I really appreciate Jason Schreier's reporting. He's a great reporter. We, we um, you know, Zach on our team kind of knows him a bit personally. He's interviewed a bunch of us for his upcoming book. So like he's, he's a really good guy. And seeing these reports come out from him, especially, is is really um, important. And at, at, at a time that we're in, you know, you see a lot of stuff from Twitter. You see a lot of stuff um, just coming out of nowhere. And for some reason, people find that it's easier to doubt it when it comes through those channels. And so having this kind of reporter really dig in and say, no, actually, here are a bunch of stories corroborated by a lot of the people in the same companies. And again, like I can work at a AAA studio and, and probably not see a lot of this stuff, right? When I when I was working back there, I was a, a junior engineer and then a, and then a, like a systems designer. I don't know, I'm not part of like the executive high up leadership that, that might be the ones perpetuating this stuff, right? And, and kind of like the more power you get, the more easy it is to wield that power in terrible ways. So it's very possible that it was happening um, and I didn't know it. I, I will say in general games, have kind of skirted the line between college frat house and mm. professional workspace. And depending on where you've worked and, and who you've worked with and kind of the culture of the studio itself there, it's it's somewhere in between that. It never kind of hits either side of that. I've never worked at like a very 100% professional game developer. And I don't think anybody in games wants to. That's why we're there. We want to have fun. Uh, but it, it can veer into the sort of frat boy frat house type of thing and, and i say frat boy specifically because until recently it's been majority male employees at these companies and part of the reason for that is because women feel awkward in these spaces and so there's a lot of 
heavy drinking. There's a lot of like broism and stuff in there. Um, one and- one example from Jason's reporting is that there were outings like team events that were at strip clubs. And the women typically did not go to those because that's really friggin' awkward. Because why would you? Exactly. <laughs> why would you feel like you should? And But they were routinely passed over in terms of promotions or upward momentum at these companies. Because if you weren't part of the boys club, then you were left out of the conversation, which just is not fair. Yeah. And let me be clear. I'm not, I'm not saying that the culture excuses any of this behavior. I know many many people in the games industry and myself included who i can proudly say i will never be the subject of one of these exposés uh and i was part of that culture i was i was drinking with the boys club you know i was doing all that stuff so it's not that the culture makes the person do this stuff it is on these people this is really horrible behavior and we should call out individuals because of it but if changing the culture can welcome more people in, then I think we should look at doing something like that too. Uh, and something else of note about what Ubisoft today, actually, they had their they had a, an all hands call, and Yves Gimo did mention that employee bonuses for the manager level and above will have some portion of that tied in the future to uh, creating and promoting a positive and inclusive works workplace. And I think that is a step in the right direction. How how far they will go remains to be seen, but at least they're identifying these failures in their organization and hopefully going to be better because of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That being said, it looks like Ubisoft is trying to do a little something on the consumer-facing front as well before we wrap up Ubisoft stuff. On on the same call, um, questions were asked around their pricing scheme for next-gen titles. Izgimo did confirm that their games scheduled for holiday 2020 will remain at the 60 uh, $59.99 MSRP pricing in the US. Also known as $100 in Canada. Yeah. Uh, $79.99 Canadian, Something I think like is that. the. Uh, yeah. Unlike their brethren over at 2K who are, are jacking up the price for NBA 2K21. Yeah. Uh, but th- he only said that it would be the games for holiday. So they may be revisiting that in the future. We will have to wait and see. Uh, the way NBA sells on next gen will probably indicate if the industry is set for another price increase, which is doubly painful in Canada because we've had like three this generation due to the Canadian dollar. But it is what it is. Games are more expensive to make than they've ever been. And we'll have to wait and see what Ubisoft decides to do after 2020. Fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, I echo everything that uh, Ben said. Um, shit needs to change um, at Ubisoft, and you know, yeah, it, it's 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 a sticky situation. No pun intended. That was unintentional. I apologize. Uh, next thing on the news docket, um, Mitch, uh, what is this about yeah. Microsoft and XCloud? So this was announced last week. So it's a, a little old at this point, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it. So I wanted to bring it here. Let's do it. Uh, this coming from Tom Warren over at The Verge. Microsoft has announced that xCloud streaming will be free as part of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate come September. So as it stands today, xCloud is in beta. But with this, as many people predicted, they're just going to roll that service into Game Pass Ultimate. And I think that's an awesome consumer decision. I don't know what you guys think. Ben, have you, have you had a chance to, to mess around with it at all? 
That, yeah, that was going to be my question. I, I, I did, but in a controlled setting. So when they showed it at E3, they had their sort of stands there with like the the phones or whatever. And uh, to their credit, those phones were on Wi-Fi. And according to them, talking to servers that were all the way up in like Northern California when the show's in LA. So uh, apparently it works fine. It felt really good at the show, but I haven't actually played with it. Um, but honestly, playing Forza on your phone on a streaming service and being able to do that is pretty cool. I know, AJ, you've messed a lot with Stadia, and I haven't mm -hmm. had a chance to do that, but um, the, the fact that it's fast enough for me to react to an action game is, just as a game developer, mind-blowing. Like, I have no idea how they do that. That's insane to me. Yeah, no, um, yeah, Stadia, when it comes to something like a, a driving game, feels fine. When it comes to your normal, like, 3D action game, feels fine. How it comes down to how the streaming services come down to something like more more research is needed to know whether or not uh there's going to be some sort of weird disadvantage you have due to the, the the minuscule amount of latency but um i know i uh with xcloud oddly enough i got into the xcloud beta before it was available in canada there's a weird glitch with my account where it thinks i'm my account's American, uh, which is fine. You know, I got in there w well beforehand, so I was playing from basically Toronto, the GTA, um, on U.S. servers, and which were probably New York servers, I would assume. And it was yeah, most I, th I think the majority of Microsoft's Azure clusters in uh, in the Northeast. Yes, yeah, so you're looking yeah. somewhere in that yeah. general area. They don't tell. They don't. I mean, for integrity purposes, they don't talk about specifically where their data centers are because. That would be dumb, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's some somewhere in like New York State area. Yeah, and for me, like I, I booted up uh, Halo Five. Uh, I remember early on, or Master Chief Collection, one of the one of the two, and it was basically flawless. And I was playing with a PS4 controller on my phone. There, there was yeah, there was something. There, there's there's some magic happening there, and I am super super into it. Uh, so I was a good boy and waited for the beta to come to Canada before signing up. Listen, they just uh, they sent me an email and I clicked it and it worked. Okay. I got into the beta and the difference between you and me is I got into the beta on iOS. So I've mm. only had access to the Master Chief Collection. I've played it on my iPad, on my phone with a with an Xbox controller. I borrowed one from a friend because I don't own an Xbox. It scares me. Like, I, I mean, I, as a software developer, just I... I can't fathom how they were able to make this work it's like witchcraft because i was i remember the the weekend i got into the beta and this is how long ago it was i was on a trip to ottawa Whoa. and was able to play halo over hotel wi-fi which we all know how bad Ooh. hotel wi-fi is even though we haven't used it in over six months i gotta say i've completely forgotten <laughs> I, I was absolutely blown away like it, it didn't perform as well as it did when i was at home you did get a lot of like artifact pop in and things like that is like the the controller input stayed with as little latency as they could but sometimes the graphics took a bit of a hit or it had to load in a bunch of textures for a streaming solution on my phone on hotel wi-fi and to have it work and be playable i don't know how they did it it's crazy uh, i've been you know upfront in the past about how all this xbox x cloud x whatever stuff is not really my forte x gonna but... give it to you I think that the question right here and right now that I can ask and that does, you know, involve my forte is, is there any chance of this coming to a Switch? They wanted to, right? Didn't they? They said yeah, recently they... that they, well, they said it a long time ago that they wanted to. And then recently 
Phil Spencer said, nah, not really. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't worry about it. Yeah, there was something earlier this week from, from Phil Spencer being like, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. But mm-hmm. that could also just be a negotiation tactic. So it remains to be seen. Uh, the bigger question I want to ask you guys is, sorry, AJ, but does this being part of Game Pass basically put the final nail in Stadia's coffin? It might. It just might. Honestly, like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm the, the sole proponent of Stadia on this podcast and in any friend circles that I am a part of. But, you know, it's for me, it's mostly about the tech um, and the ability to play anywhere. So, like, as long as I am able to do that with the games I want... The biggest problem Stadia has right now is I there's i want i want to play games but they don't have the games i want to play right now yeah so if xbox can do that with uh x cloud whatever they're going to call it uh after it's done being experimental then great uh i i'm i'm all in on that and i will still be all in on stadia because i want to be able to you know, you, you got to diversify your assets just in case of the big collapse the next for the next <laughs> pandemic. That that's how that works, right? Economics? Not one? really. Oh no. Okay, well, you you guys are smarter. Than me, so. so, if Stadia switches up its formula, because I think part of what Stadia's problem was and what everybody thought it was going to be was the Netflix for gaming. If they go to some sort of like similar to Game Pass, but you can just access all the games without and you pay your monthly subscription costs would that bring people back would that turn this around well okay one yeah it probably would bring people back but two i actually want to turn this over to you ben because uh, last year uh when stadia was first announced uh in our in our private group chat with uh our our real life friends here you keep mentioning that you have real life friends is there something yeah are you trying to convince people of something that's not really there? I don't know. In our gangbang chat. <laughs> I thought we were real life um, friends. <laughs> in our gangbang chat. Um, Cozy's we... mother's listening to this. What do you What do you say? Don't worry about it. It's okay. Shh. I'm really glad my mom's on vacation okay. not listening this week. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I, I sent you a screenshot that I had pre-ordered uh, the controllers and stuff like that. And, you know, I was all in. I was ready for it. I was all in on Stadia on the service and everything like that. I'm, I'm super pumped for it. You yeah. kind of had a, uh, I know I, so I, on a previous episode, I did uh, read the quote that you had here, but I didn't. Oh, jeez, I got to be careful what I say. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I, no it, it was very good. You know, you, you were worried about streaming services in general, because specifically you, you equated it to Spotify and how, okay, so every stream on Spotify is, you know, you only get a, a like, not even a cent for for every stream or whatever but your your concern was how are the developers getting paid when it comes to those streaming services i can go back and look this up if you want well well it's kind of it's going to be one of two tracks right so there's the there's the spotify way where indie developers are are very unhappy with that there's also kind of the netflix hbo peacock all of this stuff that's happening now where the money is up front and I think if it goes that way, it could be really good for at least developers of our size. You know, we're we're kind of like uh, on the higher end of indie, not not quite, you know, like the one person like making their own game or whatever, but a little bit 
higher tier than that i think that could work really really well for people in that tier if that's you know what what apple uh, does with their stuff if that's what um xbox chooses to do with their stuff if, if that's what stadia chooses to do the concern there might be well are they all just going to want to get get into fortnite or are they going to want like a bigger library of broader things you know one of the things so i have i have xbox game pass for pc I would never have played Sea of Thieves without that. I just wouldn't have got it. I wouldn't have bought it. It's like 40 bucks on Steam. I'm not going to get that. But I had it already. A buddy of mine, uh, uh, we were playing Halo together um, in in the lead up to Halo Infinite. And I said, ah, you know what? Let's try. Why don't we try Sea of Thieves? Let's do it. And it is the most fun I've had all year. And so that's what excites me about this stuff. If, If they can... Um, you know, if they can pay the creators up front, then suddenly it's a lot more stable of an industry. One of the biggest problems with indie game development is instability. It's not knowing if you're going to make ends meet at the end of this project that's taking you two or three years to do. And so if, if companies can start funding that at the beginning, hey, I'm all for that. Uh, if instead this turns into, hey, we're just going to pay you based on like the number of hours that people play your game. I'm, I'm kind of out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to do that, right? That's that's scary to me. And and that's scary both as a creator and as a game player. I don't want to make games that are padded out by like an extraordinary amount of hours because that's how people get paid these days, right? So very, very important question. Games oh. that are padded out that way, would you call that length or girth? <laughs> Mother... Well, Clucker. Okay, oh, so I, I appreciate you didn't swear there. I'll, I'll give you one point for that. So I will. I will say that that length for me is not quite as important as girth. Uh-huh. I really like girth in games, and to me, girth in games is just a lot of different ways to do something. And length is you just do the same thing over and over and over and over again. So yeah. length doesn't feel quite as good when I get my hands on it. Whereas girth is really something meaty that I can grab hold of and really just do what I want with it. I agree. It's all about girth and games journalism yeah. these days. Hell yeah. No, that's kind of what I was thinking about it too. Like an open world, that could be a nice big girthy experience, which you can massage a little bit. Where like the um, Uncharted would be um, a, a lengthy experience, but not necessarily a girthy one because you're just going down a straight, like, straight path all the time. Yeah, but they use it really well in Uncharted, you know? They, they really know how to dig into the parts that matter there. They they kind of pivot in the right ways at the right moments. I, I really like those games for that reason. So you don't have to be girthy if you don't want to, but I kind of like my chunky games. So, I unfortunately, I can't tell you exactly where girth originated from. Uh, but the, the central discussion that we're having now originated, I would say, from the the Last of Us Part Two spoiler cast that we did a couple of weeks ago, where all of us uniformly agreed that the game was nothing less than great, if not fantastic. But I was a little bit more critical, I would say, than my other co-hosts in that I thought that the game felt a little bit too padded out, especially during its first half. And I was in the subsequent podcast that we recorded, I was talking about how, you know, it feels like so many games of The Last of Us Part II's ilk this generation feel padded out in a similar manner, like God of War 2018, Uncharted uh, 4 from 2016, and a few others come to mind. Thank you for not mentioning Final Fantasy VII Remake. Exactly. (laughs) Final Fantasy VII Remake is perfect. You're exactly. It's just a perfect game. So yeah, xCloud coming to Game Pass. Going to be interesting to see how that nets out especially seeing a lot of developers come out and say how they've been happy with the game pass model so it'll be interesting to see if microsoft can continue to eat google's lunch 
especially since their cloud streaming or their cloud infrastructure is a lot better established or at least larger in terms of market share than uh, than Google's. I think part of it too is uh, game companies used to lose money on consoles when they sold them and then make it back on games. Um, right now, I think Microsoft is throwing money hand over fist at people to get their game on Game Pass because they don't care if they lose money. They just want those subscribers, those subscriptions over and over again. And, and that's what I think Microsoft has that maybe Google doesn't. Google doesn't seem to have the drive to do it or to really make their own games. Like there are certain games that you can only get on Microsoft platforms and, and Google hasn't done that yet. They have some development teams, so we'll see what they come out with, I guess. Keep in mind, Google now has Phil Harrison. Xbox used to have Phil Harrison. Sony used to have Phil Harrison. Yeah. So Way back that in could, the PS2 days? I don't that know. guy's had a bit of a girthy that sounds career. Right. He's, he's, I, been uh, around. he's been around. I'm talking so. more now that I'm like halfway through this beer, so yeah, you, you no, got that, your wish, AJ. I've, I've finished, it's all right, I've joined you. I finished right. my second one, so you know I'm, I'm nice and slurred. Especially anyway, spicy. Anyway, uh, moving on from the xCloud stuff, uh, you mentioned, somebody mentioned Final Fantasy VII Remake. What's I did. going on with that? What's going it's on an amazing game. Everyone should play it. That's yeah. it. Oh, yeah. All right. Great. Oh, also Nomura, also Nomura announced in an interview with Famitsu that part two is in full development. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hell I'm yeah, it is. So, like, so 2025? Not, uh, we'll see. Uh, honestly, I think a lot of the assets are already there, that it won't take as long as the first one. Are so they, 2025. Um, are they going to put it on PS5? Or... I would like, imagine. I mean, to yeah. yeah. Do everything to, to get up to quality. I don't know. Final Fantasy VII remake remastered for PS5, and then they're going to add, uh, have make you buy the second uh, game part two. You don't yeah. have to remaster it. It's backwards compatible. This isn't cell architecture uh, we're dealing with here. Well, yeah, but do they have uh, what smart delivery? on playstation i don't know i don't know if they have the same i mean we, they do it's just called cross buy and it's been a thing since the vita so uh, i don't know if that's the same thing cozy you were gonna say something <laughs> i was gonna say a lot of people have been speculating that the second part in this series might be called final fantasy 7 rebirth or reunion because those are like motifs and like titles that come up throughout the experience yeah. uh i want to say like all joking aside i actually think that there is a very real chance of this coming out sooner than we expect i think that because of COVID 19 we have to expect that it's probably not going to be coming out right away but i think am i crazy for saying that i think we could get it as soon as late next year no because do you want to hear my crazy take go for it i think we see final fantasy 7 remake announced tomorrow for Xbox Series X. Oh, fuck. And we get an announcement of Remake Part 2 coming in 2021. Uh, hmm. 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 I mean, we'll, we'll have to see tomorrow is all I have to say about that. Um, I, I do also want to say, so, you know, a lot of this uh, information about the current status of Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2 came courtesy, as you said, of an interview in Japanese games magazine Famitsu. A lot of the details of this uh, interview were actually translated by Twitter user uh, Aitaiki Mochi. I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced. In any case, I think you uh, got this it, Twitter user uh, translated a bunch of other interesting things from the Famitsu interview. And I highly recommend that you go over to her Twitter account and check out the rest of what she had to share because there are a lot of fun, interesting things there. Uh, fans got to vote on like what their favorite scenes uh, from the game were. And there's... 
there's just a lot of fun details that I think if you enjoy this game, you're going to have a blast finding out about. Can, can we go? Can we go on a tangent here? How do you guys feel about tangents? Go for it. Go for oh, it. Yeah. This is your so, show, I, baby. As somebody who played Final Fantasy VII way back in the day and really loved it, but barely has any time to game outside of gaming with friends, why should I play Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1 Reunion Edition PS4 Classic? Final Fantasy VII Remake is... I'm trying to put this into words very carefully so that I don't spoil anything. Uh, for the record, have you been spoiled to what happens, or have you not? I so I, I've played through and beaten the entire first game, but, uh, but or I mean the the original game, but I don't right. know what changes in this. I have no idea. Let's okay. go no spoilers they, for the for for our listeners and viewers. Right, w- without doing any spoilers, they subvert the Midgar section of the original Final Fantasy VII in a way that is very like. to use a point of comparison it feels very reminiscent of games like metal gear solid 2 where you just mentioned one of my games ever you've you don't even know me and you know me you know me wow (laughs) but it, it is that same sort of thing where like it's sort of taking into account not just the kind of world of the game but also like the cultural impact of the game outside of its own existence and how people perceive the game and I don't want to spoil it any more than that, but they do something very clever involving that and sort of the central menace that the protagonists of the game face. So I like to describe the systems in this game as being what I had hoped Kingdom Hearts 3 was going to be in terms of the way it played. It just, it the the combat, at least using like the 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 action system, not the, the classic system, it felt the, like... I can't even describe it. The, the the combat just felt so right in terms of like everything, the balancing between your different abilities and items and equipment and materia. And it just, it all plays so well with the systems that they've built into this game that I couldn't stop playing it. I This is the first game where I finished a playthrough and immediately started a second playthrough because I just loved every minute in these systems with these mechanics. Um, and that being said... It's probably my game of the year at this point, and oh, I just I can't I can't I, I can't put into words how much I enjoy this game. It's it's really difficult for me actually. It's the most emotional I've been playing a game this year. That's a hundred percent for sure. I was gonna say emotional seems like seems like the the right word there. You guys are like brimming. You're almost crying in tears <laughs> now. I feel like I have to play it. This is okay. Cause yeah, cause I, I felt like am I gonna play it and is it gonna kind of you know not necessarily ruin my childhood but but i'm a different human than i was when i was 12 years old or however i was when i played this game so like is it uh is it going to is it going to be good by 2020 standards not by looking at the the old game with rosy colored glasses and it sounds like it it totally is for you guys I never played the original, just to, to add context to that. Uh, I'm nowhere near. Uh, I picked it up late, um, and I've got a few chapters in uh, to it. I have played the original uh, back in the day. So um, it's an interesting retelling of the story, like as far as I've gotten so far, with like details that weren't ever in the first game, because obviously they're padding out uh, the Midgar section with more content. Um, but it's highlighting characters that I really like. 
so far. Um, and it actually makes me feel bad. I should go back and finish this. I wish I didn't have so many other games on the plate. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about it is, you know, you talked about how you're concerned that you're going to go back and play through this game and you're going to realize, oh, this, you know, game that I love from my childhood is not as great as I remembered it. I don't think you're going to have that issue because, and again, trying to remain as spoiler-free as possible, but Final Fantasy VII Remake is less a remake of Final Fantasy VII and more a game about remaking Final Fantasy VII. I know that that sounds confusing, but once you experience a game, you'll understand what I was getting at. Okay, interesting. I, I would just say, play the demo. The demo hooked me into the game, into the mechanics, into the systems. If if the demo is up your alley, then you'll love the full game. I'm, you know what? You saying it's there's a demo makes me 100% certain I will play it now. So yeah, I'll I'll do that. Sweet. And I'll I'll report back to AJ in our group chat, and you can you can see what I think of it then. <laughs> you know, you're Please welcome do. back on the show anytime. So <laughs> you can you can tell them yourself if you want. Um, yeah. So it looks like that's all we've got for news at the moment. So. How about we move on to read slash watch all the things? What uh, what do we got uh, going on in the rest of the world today? Uh, a couple of fun little tidbits. Uh, today, July 22nd, Mixer officially shuts down. Oh, what so, a fun tidbit. R- wow. RIP Mixer. Um, no, I mean, it, if, if you had people that you enjoyed watching their content on Mixer, go find where they ended up. Go give them a follow. Give them a subscribe. Because anyone who has their livelihood just ripped out from under them like that deserves uh, anybody's help who's listening. So please go and do that. I just want to say shout out to Microsoft because, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Good, for, good on them for, for, for trying to compete with Twitch and YouTube. But, um, you know, hey, call it quits when you got to call it quits. Um, uh, ben, you might remember, uh, you and I are both uh, Giant Bomb fans, and uh, one of the things uh, they like to do once in a while is when, when a, an online service or a game or something shuts down, they will play it out to the end. Yeah. Uh, and a- apparently Jeff Gersman of GiantBomb.com, a website about video games, uh, has been <laughs> streaming on Mixer for like the last couple weeks. A little bit. I don't. I didn't tune into it or anything like that. But um, one of the things on uh, Giant Bomb that they they did most notably with regards to that is the Matrix Online. They played right until the servers shut off, um, and it, it's uh, it's something fun. To experience. Fu- Go ahead. Fun fact for Matrix Online: I think a friend of the show, Steve Saylor, was actually a DJ on one of the radio stations in that game. Oh wow, that's amazing! That's amazing. Oh, wow. amazing. I wish that was in yeah. my resume. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely got he he's a phenomenal human being we we uh wanted to have him on actually for our last of us two spoiler cast because he actually was an accessibility consultant on the game unfortunately life got in the way you you may have seen all the news article you may have seen all the news articles going around with the accessibility and stuff oh. like that he was that guy yeah there's there's a number but yeah, yeah. Um, uh yeah cup uh, a couple other interesting tidbits. Uh, today, Logitech announced a $1,500 US dollar gaming chair. So roughly $1,800 Canadian. And Dual Shockers decided to put together a list of 10 things you could get with that money instead of buying a gaming chair. So... Uh, first, you could get an RTX 2080 and a Switch. <laughs> Secondly, you could get a 75-inch Sony TV. 
Uh, third, you could get over 6,000 packets of chicken ramen. Uh, probably, speculative, you could get both the Series X and PlayStation 5. Uh, fifth, and this is not one I understand because I think it's a Magic the Gathering thing, 128th of a Beta Black Lotus. I don't know. Yeah, don't, that's, a, that's a very rare Magic super card. Super rare that's yeah, what there, I were, there were a couple of news stories from a couple of years ago about how rare that card was. And uh, it you was could also a, sorry, go ahead. It was rare when I played Magic like a bazillion years ago. So, which it, means it's probably rare, more rare now. Yeah. Uh, sixth, you could adopt a, a variety of rescue puppies and kittens. That price may vary, but it includes a number of fluffy things, and that's lovely. Uh, seventh, and I'm not actually familiar with this, the Polymega. It looks like some sort of universal gaming system, maybe. I don't know. Uh, eighth, you could get an you could buy a an eight day Caribbean cruise uh, <laughs> comes, for two. Comes which, with free COVID. I was gonna say you might not want that right now. The uh, the gaming chair might be more useful. Uh, you could buy every game on Dual Shockers' fifty best video games of the decade list. And tenth, you could buy over sixty thousand gems in Raid Shadow Legends. Was this list sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends? I don't think so, but Dual Shockers, shout out to them on Twitter. Go give them a follow. So you guys didn't know this when you asked me to be on the show, but I'm going to turn my chair around, and you will notice that it looks eerily similar to the Logitech gaming chair. Uh, and that's, it does. And that's because it's probably this, it's, it's the Herman Miller Embody chair, which is the same price as the logitech embody chair <laughs> i didn't know how many ramen packets i could have bought instead of buying this chair i'm uh, sure it was a business expense right it is a business expense it's also hey look i'm, I'm gonna justify it here in case my wife's listening to this later and thinks we could have gotten like 30 puppies um <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i brought up the puppies uh you know, I sit in this chair at least eight hours a day, usually a lot more if I'm playing Sea of Thieves. So I worked that out over the 10-year uh, warranty of the chair itself, and it's something like pennies a day. And so it, it seemed stupid not to do it at a time where I didn't know that I could buy 128th of the greatest magic card ever with the price that I could have bought this chair for. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're buying 128th of the greatest magic card ever, doesn't it mean it's actually useless because it's like a card ripped into a 28th of a piece yeah it's a very small portion of it you'd it'd be like shared ownership of it so you'd have to like get in with 28 other people i get it on sundays (laughs) (laughs) you can have it on sundays i'll i'll take the every other tuesday you'd have to coordinate coordinate your your uh, magic games around your schedule I, i meant that more in the simple sense so that like if you take the card and you rip off a 28th of it I mean, both the piece that you ripped off and the rest of the card are now useless. Oh, I need to go get some glue right now. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, that, we... oh, I just want to say quickly on the subject of chairs. I actually am currently sitting right now in a refurbished steel case leap. Uh, I got it off of Kijiji, which is like a Canadian Craigslist, not too long ago, and I'm very satisfied with it. And I just want to say, if you have a racing chair... Just check it in the garbage right now and get a real chair. Uh, well, that's a PSA from Alexander Kazina. While we're on the topic, uh, I uh, had a, a a normal office chair, but now I have a kitchen chair that I stole oh. from downstairs um, and just put my giant bomb uh, jersey that I wore to EGLX on um, because the I found that my office chair that I got from Staples for like 
a hundred bucks was way too squeaky for this pot. Yeah, you get what you pay for. Absolutely. I mean, look, that kitchen chair is still better than a racing chair. It's very quiet. Well, it could be that. I can tell you that much. All right. Last on our read slash watch slash, I guess in this case, listen mm-hmm. to all the things. Mm-hmm. Has anyone else had the bug snacks theme on repeat on their phone? Absolutely. No. Yeah. <laughs> it is so friggin' catchy. And they're releasing it on vinyl. So if you are a vinyl collector, they're releasing a seven inch single of the bug snacks theme. And yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's um it looks like a strawberry. The song the song is great. The vinyl looks like a strawberry and uh fun fact about I guess the I think the packaging of the vinyl, uh it's scratch and sniff. That is correct. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh Bug Snacks is going to be the game of the year this year, I can tell. There's no other close competition that would even be in consideration. Spider-Man Miles Morales would like a word. Um, Last of Us Part Who? More like Bug Snacks, am I right? Yeah, it's all but about the bug snacks. Yeah. Uh, this is excellent. Talking about bug I, snacks. I don't have a, I don't have a record player, but I want a vinyl of that for some reason. I, so we, uh, we if you actually, get it, we can share ownership of my vinyl or my record player. <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. We, our, our company had a had a meeting with uh, I am eight bit earlier this week, and we talked about the bug snacks vinyl and how like financially that sounded like it could be a terrible deal for them and they just did it because they couldn't get the song out of their head and they're like i think i think everybody's gonna feel the way that we do i think let's just do it we'll just put it out let's just do it and they did it and it i think it's gonna work because i think everybody feels like they did if uh if you talk to them again you can tell them that i uh pre-ordered two of them there you go i'm i'm sitting here just contemplating doing it myself right now actually Do do it do it, do it. All right, it. I'm I'm done. I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna go pre-order the bugs next time. Do it, AJ. Back to you. Hell yeah. Uh, all right. Um, well, actually, uh, <laughs> it's kind of not back to me because uh, we are into the deals portion of the podcast, uh, and the only person who has put any deals is Mitch. So that's like every other week. Uh, just like every uh, other and week. I all- uh, I also had the Bug Snacks vinyl in here because someone added it up top, even though I added it here, but whatever. Uh, so there's a summer sale going on on the PSN right now. Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff on sale, and people are changing. Oh, I'm forgetting what the <laughs> no, name no, of this no. game is. No, no, no. You have to read what it says. No, I don't because I need to give people the facts. Uh, <laughs> so at 50% off on whatever your store in Canada, it's $14.99, is Astrobot Rescue Mission. Astro Girth. Please stop. At 70% off, this is the steal of the bundle, and I'm really sad Alex isn't here. You can get every Kingdom Hearts game ever made in one package on the PlayStation for $40 Canadian, which is just stupid. $40 as well. No. I mean, it's $40.04, but I would pay more than $0.04 for that game. I would pay this for that game and then give Alex my hard copy so he has to play it because he'll feel guilty otherwise. Uh, Tetris Effect, another great game, whether or not you have VR is uh, also 50% off. So in Canada, that's roughly $27. Now I'm done, and I'm going to go pre-order the Bug Snacks final. Fair oh, enough. Persona, all the Personas are on sale too. So Ooh. for Persona Royal uh, in the different various editions. I think the Ultimate is what I paid for it uh, when it went on sale for the PlayStation something sale. Uh, but like 100 bucks, it's normally like 130 So if you haven't played Persona 5 Royale and you have, you know, 150 hours... That's the game you should get. No, thank you. I think I'm good. All right. Uh, And with that, I think it's time to move on to our 
topic of the show. Um, this week, uh, as previously mentioned, is a very special week because we got our very first guest on the podcast, Mr. Ben Wander. Welcome again to the podcast. Hey. Press YYZ. I'm, I'm your friend. I'm very yep. much your friend. I you did not you pay you are me my to friend. say this. You nope. are my friend. You no gun friend. to your head. No gun to your head. Um, Blink twice if you need us to call 911. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've, I've, I've brought Ben up a couple times in the uh, a podcast, you know, once or twice. Um, and, you know, it, he's had a very, very interesting uh, career uh, up to this point. Uh, from from it sounds like sp- you're about to kill me at the end of this sentence. <laughs> just, just about. He's maybe. been great. His hasn't his life been amazing from wow. like from birth until yep. the end of it right Surprise, now. Surprise! This is a eulogy. <laughs> yeah, um, <exactly. laughs> no, um, and you are one of my best friends in in the whole world. You so much so you invited me to stand up with you at your wedding along with uh, uh, some of our other friends. Um, and uh, I just wanted to bring you onto the podcast so that everybody else could kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, so I'm not entirely like I'm not entirely sure where to where to start or how to start with this. Um, whether or not it be with what you're currently doing now or how you got to this point, but um, we met at Harvey's in tenth grade. Correct. That's I think where I we had a double hands. cheeseburger because that's my typical Harvey's order. It's the thing I miss most from living in the U.S. right now. Oh, I bet. I had Harvey's oh, for yeah. lunch today, and it's as good as you remember uh, it being. I'm so jealous of all of you. <laughs> I haven't had a Harvey's in so long, mm-hmm. dude. It's, it's worth sad. it. You sh- and also, they have a mobile app now that's actually pretty decent. Uh, oh. You can order ahead, so you just go in, pick up your food, and leave. And we're going to talk for 45 minutes now about Harvey's. Great. Is it called Ask Harvey? Is that the website? Can I go to Ask Harvey and just type anything? I think no, that's something this else. A, this, ain't a, this ain't a search engine. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Harvey's is great. Please continue. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no. So, yeah, back in, like, 10th grade, we, uh, well, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, it was 10th grade for me, 11th grade for you. Because you're technically, oh, yeah. you're actually a year older than me. Junior over here, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, we, growing up, you know, we just spent a lot of our time playing video games. We had infamous, you know, nights until like three in the morning where we'd uh, play Frank Sinatra music and play Halo 2 until three in the morning. That crazy ridiculous you probably don't as, remember as that did everybody i'm certain yeah absolutely yeah, everybody old, did that. old blue eyes you know oddly classic enough classic halo gaming yeah of course um but um yeah uh you had had kind of an interesting career through line because you went to it, it's been advantageous you went to an arts the the local arts high school and you became when you eventually went to university, a computer science major. Yeah, I did nothing with my art degree. I I have a fine arts high school diploma or something, and that is useless. Nobody cares, and I'm not good at art, so it doesn't matter. But here's the thing. I remember having a conversation with you where it actually was sort of like advantageous because you you kind of grasp the, the broader concepts of the artistic vision and stuff like that so i don't know if it helped you in your like 
in co-op in university and whatnot or yeah i mean if we're if we're trying to give you know advice to the youth yeah uh, sure why not i I would i would say the the more that you know about the different parts of making games the better it's going to make you uh be at either working on your own or, or working with other people the fact that i have some degree of artistic eye at least i know the basic concepts of it helps me work with artists in a way that i otherwise couldn't and helps me understand kind of what they do and and what they're dealing with um so yeah it's it's helpful for sure wow i just had i don't know if you guys heard that on your end thunder just exploded overhead of my house so if i drop out um one of you guys is gonna have to take over um shit yeah that's really bad we can't lose your podcast recording oh no well no it, it should be fine it should be fine you got the twitch archive it'll be fine um yeah so okay so you went to Waterloo and you had a the warriors. Yeah, for 4 years and I actually you invited me and Kenny there once. Um our fr- our mutual friend Kenny, Kenny uh who was your neighbor. Um he uh, and we we participated in a in a bit of a game jam that you threw. because uh, you were Oh yeah, you, holy shit. I totally forgot yeah, about that. You were, oh, sorry Cozy's mom. Holy poop. That's <laughs> You were really you were the head of the the game nice development save. club. I don't think I don't think that my mom is listening anymore. Yeah. I think okay. she was That's so distraught that she logged off ahead of time and it's like, no, I don't want to be any part of this. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, no. So you were you were head of the game development club, like that's that's kind of a big deal. I would I would assume, especially I think at, it's just at other, Nobody else n- nobody else wanted to do it. It was a bunch of it was a bunch of organizing stuff and a bunch of needing to like put on game jams and and you know not actually participate in some of them because you're running around getting pizza or whatever Mm -hmm. um so i i think it was it was a an opportunity that i took because uh there were other better people who could do it that didn't want it (laughs) i was gonna say i i help run hackathons at work and it's a fucking nightmare yeah (laughs) cozy's mom's gone so i can swear again fuck yeah i hope my mom's not watching sorry mom yeah sure yeah She'll listen later on any podcast service you might find the show on at Press YYZ. Um, yeah, so, you know, after after the university, or, or actually during university, I guess, you went to various co-op placements and, and stuff like that. You, did, it did a, you mentioned earlier in the show that you did some EA mobile stuff. Yeah, so let me let's pause on that a little bit because I yeah. also I, I um, teach now. I'm an adjunct professor at the University of Denver, and often my students ask me what can I do to get a games job in the industry, and my answer is always, if you're a student, get an internship. It's so much easier to get a job as an intern than it is to get a a, a beginner, you know, entry level job. An intern, they're especially in Canada, man. There's so much tax incentive to hire an intern. They're basically paying the company to train you, and then the company's paying you to like get experience, to get training, and get whatever. So um, I'm a huge, huge fan of co-op programs. That's not really a thing stateside, unfortunately. But even mm-hmm. if you're not in a co-op program, if you're a student or have just been a student, I think it's, I think the limit is like two years since you're since you left school to be an intern and so take advantage of that i mean if you're if you're in school and you want to be a game developer go get an internship a lot of them are paid these days so you're not even you're, you're making money while learning um and in you canada can i think they have to easier. be 
There I think you in go. Canada, especially if yeah. you're going through your university, I know you haven't gone to Waterloo are probably very familiar with the co-op program there. <laughs> uh, I think all Canadian universities, as far as I know, if they have a co-op program, they will not accept you going to a co-op that is unpaid. Cool. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. the case. That, that was the case in computer science. I think like, uh, you know, uh, kinesthesiology or what? It, so some of the other weirder programs didn't have that. But at least for like engineering and computer science, that was a case at Waterloo. Even if it's okay, unpaid, may, may, like maybe that is the case then. Yeah, because I mean, as someone who came up through software engineering, yeah. similar similar boat of if it was any, if I was going anywhere, it was gonna have co-op and it was gonna be paid. Yeah, totally. So a- anyway, that, that's that's my that's my rant on on internships and co-op programs. I think they're amazing. I think you should take advantage of it, even if your school doesn't have that in particular. Use your summers. Use your time off. Heck, take a semester off of school. It is totally worth it. I learned so much more in my internships, being in there, being in the thick of it with actual developers than um, I, I would have known otherwise just leaving college. So, okay. So after, after those internships and after the co-op placements and everything like that, I mean, okay, so you, were, you worked at the, the, I guess, the mobile game studio downtown Toronto, somewhere on King Street or something like that. Um, yeah, King and... Was King, it King and, University, King College. Yeah, I was gonna say King and Spadina is where all those software shops tend to be. But yeah, yeah, they they shut down. Unfortunately, I, I looked uh. through my history. So I worked at I worked at um, EA Mobile Montreal, which is shut down. I worked at um, XMG Games, which was the the one in downtown Toronto, which is shut down. Um, I worked at Silicon Knights, which in Saint which is in Saint Catharines, Ontario, or used to be. Uh, that it, is yeah. shut down. Um, those were my internships, and then I worked at BioWare, which is not yet shut down, but Anthem is doing its darndest to try to close it. <laughs> yep. um, I was just going to say, I had a friend that was a co-op at EA Montreal working on mobile stuff. I was just wondering if there was any overlap there. What is there anything you can talk about that you worked on? Because I know what he worked on. It'd be interesting if there was that overlap. Yeah, I worked. I was there in 2009, and it was at, uh, SimCity Deluxe. That was the game. Uh, and mobile was amazing because it was uh, like at the time the iPhone was just coming out. My Google thinks I'm talking to it. No, Google, I'm not talking to you. Um, the iPhone was just coming out. And so they still were developing like really tiny, tiny teams and letting people like interns be the lead designers of games. And so that was like, that was the most amazing experience I ever had. And you cannot replicate it these days, but it was so no. much fun. It was this like team of five people and you know we always hung out and just just played games and, and made games together it was so much fun we we had a blast um yeah ea mobile was super cool so i wanted to go back quickly you mentioned that you briefly worked at silicon knights yeah can you talk about what you worked on there as well or is I, that under wraps no yeah well i mean silicon knights is defunct so i don't know who's gonna sue me if it was anything <laughs> under wraps uh but no i worked on a very very mediocre game called uh, x-men legends it's not oh yeah oh uh, yeah that i remember that x-men yeah. destiny so actually uh, i played it actually on the wii is it x-men I, destiny i'm on your website yeah I, I just x-men looked destiny. it up x-men oh destiny. you're right you're right i think x-men legends might have been the first the first name of it or something or it could be confused. x-men destiny you're right is this yep. game um, X-Men Legends was the precursor to Ultimate Marvel's Alliance. Ultimate Alliance. Ah, uh, okay, that's what I'm confusing. See, I don't even remember. that. That's It's kind of like the potato of video games. <laughs> it's, like, not good enough on its own. It's not good enough to be, like, amazing. And it's not bad enough that you want it 
play it for any reason like that it that it's oh it's so amazingly bad it's like right in the center it's like a boiled potato mm. it's it's just average nothing wrong mm. with a good boiled potato yeah um so yeah yeah uh, shortly after that i guess you went to bioware in edmonton right yeah that's right i spent uh, a year at bioware uh working on dragon age inquisition um that was the that's the only company i've worked for other than my current one that i started myself that is still in business for now fingers crossed i really hope so they're, they're good people there um yeah that was fun i don't, I don't know if, if there's anything else to say there i was a software engineer then that was the first that was I, my, yeah i okay so i remember having a conversation with you and like when I, when i taught when i was whenever i talk to you about games and stuff like i i'm less interested in the broad concepts and i want to know specifically because i know you i want to be able to like point to a friend of mine and say hey i know the guy who made this right and like whether it be a speed tree asset or something like that um from what i remember you saying when the back in 2014 when that game was coming out you worked on the ai pathing for your party yeah i'll do you one better i uh, integrated nav power into frostbite so any game that uses a nav mesh which up until that time was only battlefield 3 and they didn't use nav meshes they just used nodes so if you if you go back and play single player battlefield 3 there are soldiers walking from point a to point b and back again and that's all that they do and they wait for you to shoot them and that's it and then ea said here's this engine go make an open world rpg with it Uh, having read Jason Schreier's book, I, uh, I know some of the hardships you may have gone through doing that. Yeah. So we, we were the first, we were literally the first game that was not a battlefield game to make a game on frostbite. So you can imagine, um, the scripting language that was in it when we first got it, I kid you not was clouds in the sky. You had to drop into the game and like look up at the sky and drag nodes around that way before they got their schematic system in. It was crazy, it was insane. It was this like really cool thing. So um, any game on Frostbite that has uh, walking in it is built on the code that I integrated into it. So uh, that's that's like a cool, neat thing that I can say that I can tell people, yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty amazing. Um, yeah, so like like, basically you you helped make star wars yeah i make every and any game possible i feel like nowadays a lot of people forget that when the decision to first use frostbite with that series was first made it was very much viewed as you know hey this is going to help take the series to the next level it wasn't this like as i understand it a thing of like ea pressuring bioware to do so it was something that everybody kind of mutually agreed upon as something that would help advance the series forward am i correct about that uh i don't know i don't i don't really think so if i'm if i'm being completely honest with you um i think it was mostly it was mostly driven by ea wanting everybody to be on the same engine and have the same support like I, 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 so I won't lie to you. At the time, we were kind of excited about it because we we were seeing all the visuals that were possible with with especially with Battlefield, like coming into it, coming to like a state of the art engine with like bleeding edge graphics that looked better than anything anybody had seen before was felt amazing until you put your hands on it at the time and it was it was it was a paper tiger, right? Like they were they were as any developer does, of course they were cheating in a lot of ways. Um, the nav mesh being one of them, right? And so um, I think it was, 
I don't know if it was a great decision for EA or not, but I understand where they were coming from. And I, I guess what I'll say is like, I, I don't know if the leadership would have made that decision otherwise, but at least we got excited about it initially until we really dove into it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm more or less, I wanted to kind of lead into that to ask like when you guys more or less knew that, oh, this is a bit of an issue, but I feel like you kind of answered that question. Yeah. I, I, again, I, at the time I was like the most junior developer you could be. I was a software engineer one, I guess there's associate software engineer, which I managed to skip over. Um, but uh, as a software engineer one, I didn't really get to make any of those calls, but even I ended up realizing that like, oh, they don't have a nav mesh in a game engine. This thing is pretty raw at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess when your bread and butter is building first person shooter experiences that focus on multiplayer and having all the characters be player controlled, that those kind of things aren't front of mind when building out a game engine that you're building for first person shooter multiplayer experiences. Yeah, exactly. So, um, speaking of Battlefield, you shortly thereafter, I guess, found your way over to Visceral, where you yeah. worked on Battlefield Hardline. That's right. Uh, yeah, so they were looking for people who knew how uh, Frostbite worked, and I was a person who knew how Frostbite worked. So, um, I also was getting Frostbite from being in Edmonton, which is very, very cold. Um, good, good job. I so I, I spent uh, my my winter in Edmonton. I was told was um, really lucky because there was only a single week of negative fifty, um, and Just I went one. great. So they have this opening in California. I'm gonna go do that. <laughs> uh -huh. Probably probably a good call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I went and, and worked on uh, Battlefield Hardline there. I started as a software engineer, kind of helping with uh, game modes and stuff. And uh, it, it was really my goal the whole time to eventually transfer into game design. I like to play games. I like to, you know, think about the design of games. If you look at my bookshelf back there, I have a bunch of game design textbooks. They're not coding textbooks. Um, so that's, that's really where my heart is. And I transitioned to being a systems and game modes designer on the multiplayer side of Battlefield Hardline, which... I maintain is the best multiplayer Battlefield game you can play to this day. I really think Battlefield Hardline is an amazing game. And I'm not just trying to fluff it up. I told you X-Men Destiny is a game that you should never play ever. I really think Battlefield Hardline is an underappreciated gem. That, that multiplayer is really, really fun. Is that the cop one? Yes. Yeah, yes. That's yeah. the yeah. Cops and Robbers mm -hmm. one, um, which, which we had to, again... Uh, you know, th there was a series of Battlefield games that just had tanks and, you know, slow-moving helicopters, and we had to put race cars in it. Um, so with with 64 players, which at the time was, like, unheard of. So it was it was a lot of technical challenges there, too. And now every game that... And now every shooter that doesn't come out with a Battle Royale is failing in some way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> remember when 64 players was way too many? Uh, yeah, those days were quaint, weren't they? <laughs> I mean, look. Looking back, we had Mag on the PS3, which was what 128. Yeah. So that was like that. Still set a bar that hasn't been matched by some of these battle royals. So well, I'm just saying. What was that game with the um? Somebody modded it to have three, like two, two or three thousand multiplayer. Uh, Just Cause, Just Cause Two multiplayer mod on Steam or something like that had like two thousand players, and that was nuts. And I'm personally excited for battle royales to get to that point um, you're a crazy person but okay yeah you know i i didn't play the the just cause mod or anything like that but um 
I don't know, quantity excites me sometimes. Um, so, okay. So at this point in your career, that's where, this is where you kind of, you decided to, yeah, you quit basically. Yeah. You, you decided to go out on your own and kind of do your own thing, but you had a very interesting twist to this whole experience that I don't think a lot of other people had. And, uh, just for context, this is how I ended up, uh, going to uh, Japan for my own vacation is because you were going to go on vacation in Japan as well because you were already uh, kind of touring around Southeast Asia. Yeah, I, uh, I had a job in the Bay Area that paid really good money, enough to pay my really high rent, and then I quit my job in the Bay Area and suddenly had no way to pay my really high rent, so I had to GTFO and I went... If I'm going to go anywhere, let's go travel. Let's go through th through Southeast Asia. I'd been watching a lot of Anthony Bourdain. He, you know, influenced me on all the amazing fuzz and curries and ramens that I could be eating. Um, and so, yeah, the uh, the first year of the development for A Case of Distrust, which, is, which was my first indie game, um, happened in Southeast Asia. And it was the best time. It was, it, it's really fun. I spent three months in a bunch of different places uh you know two and a half months and then in between kind of went on mini vacations like a little vacation in japan because turns out japan's pretty expensive too so i couldn't spend three months there either um you know we went to uh, a whole a whole swath of places so it was a cool life experience um and it also helped make my first indie game which was really awesome yeah uh a case of distrust now now like you were touring around southeast asia but making a game about 1920s San Francisco. Yeah, I left how, San Francisco to make a game about San Francisco. Yeah, go figure. How did how did that? Yeah, how did that? How did that? So I don't I don't know that like your 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 roundup I guess of like how that whole experience of a case of distrust went like like how did it net out for you like did it did, was it successful in your like in your opinion like did it did you achieve the goals you wanted to achieve and like. And all that yeah so like... I, I have a really uh it's kind of like a, a personal intimate story where uh the game that i spent two and a half years working on on the third day that it launched the steam sales were 31 and i was on my couch crying like that was i poured my heart and soul into this thing and nobody knew about it nobody was playing it nobody did anything with it um and then literally the next day you know, after my, my fiance at the time was like consoling me, literally the next day, or she was my wife then, I think. Uh, fiance? Something like that. 2018. Fiance. September she was fiance. Yeah. Um, no, that wife. The day after that, I don't know how, uh, Colin Campbell picked it up, who is a writer at Polygon. Mm -hmm. He gave it a 9 out of 10. Um, and then it exploded. Like, then, you know, people really, really picked it up. I, I, I didn't get rich off of it. I'm not like living the life or whatever. Um, but I did, you know, the game made its money back, which is especially rare for indie games. I really want to stress this for people. Um, I think we, we have people on our current Discord now who are like, well, why would people need publishers? And why would people take deals and all this stuff? Oh uh, yeah, the, <laughs> a case of distress is on Switch. You can get it on Switch now too. I I was gonna say I, don't, I feel like you tried to show that it was on the Switch, but I couldn't really make out what you were trying <laughs> yeah, to show. Well, I was I was actually showing the fact that I just bought it because it's actually that is our oh. deal of the day. The thing's on sale right now for a ridiculous amount. So if you're interested at all in what Ben's saying right now, go pick it up. 
Yeah, it's a it's a narrative mystery from 1924 San Francisco. It's a historical fiction. That's why I was kind of uh, asking about Ghosts of Tsushima if that was historical because I'm I'm in general really into historical fiction. Usually in writing, not not too many games do it. Although Assassin's Creed kind of delves into that and stuff. So um, I I am excited to go play Ghosts of Tsushima, and um, yeah. So uh, a case of distress was was really cool to make. It it made its money back, um, which is which is great and. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of people don't understand how hard it is making indie games and surviving doing it. So I'm mm-hmm. very very grateful that I I managed to do that so far, and hopefully will continue to in the future. Absolutely, yeah. In all honesty, like I didn't get all the way through the the game myself because my ADHD tends to get in the way of that sort of thing. But if if you're in into a like a good narrative experience where you're like like you're you're a cla- like a classic adventure game is what I would describe it as. Um, yeah, it's kind of like an adventure game meets a Phoenix Wright meets like ooh. a choose your own uh, story novel that type of thing. Yeah, um, I, so- I love and I I was just gonna say I love those kind of experiences on the Switch because it is just pick it up and get back to the story whenever the case might be. Mm-hmm. So I was very glad that when I Googled the name of the game, the first thing that popped up was N- Nintendo, and the second thing that I noticed was the fact that it's on sale right now. So very much looking forward to checking that out over the next couple of weeks yeah cool yeah yeah i hope you like it i that was a that was a lot of hard work there's seventy five thousand words in that game if you can believe it i wrote a friggin' novel yeah um and it's all all the different things you can ask all the different paths you can take the different ways you can get to places if if i had to say one thing that i wish i did in that game it's i wish i did the um telltale thing of this person will remember x um because that that makes it so much more clear that like you're impacting the game and i've had the criticism that like um hey i feel like i'm not really making decisions in this game and I, like i'm ripping my hair out i'm like you <laughs> mfers like you have no idea how much i'm tracking here it's so much stuff and i had to spend so long doing it so uh yeah note note to self in future um be very explicit to players when they're branching because then it feels more cool to everybody should have known that uh going in fair enough so then that finally leads us to what you are working on right now. And that is a little game called Airborne Kingdom. Something that I have played and that <laughs> yeah. I... Something I've, I think I think you've talked about this from the first episode of the show until right now. Quite possibly. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've played, I played a build of this game that was originally on Steam. But since then, it has now gone exclusive to the Epic Game Store. That's right. Yeah, so before we get into the game itself, what happened there? How did that happen? So, uh, I mean, it's it's basically Epic is is funding the game. I mean, they're 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 pretty much a first party. The the way we describe it is it's like Sony is funding the game, therefore we're exclusive to PlayStation. X, Microsoft is funding the game, we'd be exclusive to the Xbox. Uh, Epic is funding the game, so we're exclusive to their store. And we've kind of had that question of like, why did you choose that? And um, the biggest reason, it's not the only reason, but the biggest reason is we have literally never had ever, and, and we've been a part of this deal for like a year and a half now, we have never had a single meeting with Epic where they even ask us about the progress of the game, what we're doing, what the, you know, how the different mechanics are going. We, we hear about other publishing deals and people have like all of these monthly milestones to meet and all these deadlines to hit. And it just feels so rigid in a way that isn't conducive, in my opinion, to making a good game. And so for us, we really let the game itself 
um, lead the development. We, we're really big fans of iterative development. Um, and so the fact that we can do that, that we can change what the game is kind of on the fly and that we're not beholden to anybody, that we keep our vision of it. Like, and I don't even mean that of like, we keep the IP. I, I feel like a lot of publishers will say, hey, you, you can keep the IP, it's all yours. After, after the game launches, it's your thing. You can do what you want. Yeah, but they'll control everything you do along the way. Epic has fully been hands off and they promised that from the beginning and they've been genuine in it. Oh, wow. Um, and so that is unheard of, like to fully fund a game, uh, to let us do exactly what we want, to not even put a deadline on it. We can release it whenever we want. And their only caveat was, hey, on, on PC and Mac and Linux, if we come out with a Linux build, which we're probably not going to, but um, on, on personal computers, uh, it can only be on the Epic Game Store. Um, that that felt like a no-brainer to us. Like that's just I I want to make the best game possible, and this lets us do that. This lets us hire the contractors we need. This lets us hire like QA that we need and PR and stuff. And and it's really really important to me that whatever we put out is a quality good product, and this lets us do that. So um, yeah, it's it's the reason we went with them, and uh, I I think it was the right decision. What I'm hearing there is there is still hope for Stadia, so fingers crossed. Okay. I don't know about Stadia. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm not. You can I know, use I mouse and keyboard. PC. You can yeah. use mouse and keyboard. I don't know. There might be a loophole. Think about it's it. True. Think it's about true. It's true. We'll we'll have to we'll have to chat with our with our Epic contacts. We'll see. <laughs> think about it. So we, we could sell an, an extra five copies on Stadia. It's maybe. True. And AJ would buy four of them. No, yeah. I just use my Stadia Pro and just redeem that. That's no, I was just going to say, I may, I'm, I'm slightly tongue-in-cheek making fun at Stadia people, but I do know some people there, and they're really good people who are working really hard, so I, I hope it works out for them for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I did want to ask, what exactly motivated you to go with a game of this sort of concept? I feel like uh, after making your prior game, which is to sort of... Uh, subtle noir thriller set in 1920s San Francisco. You can apologize, you can correct me if the decade is wrong. I feel like this is not the game that I would have thought you would have followed it up with, which is this sort of fantastical airborne uh, vehicle city builder. construction game. Yeah, city builder. Well, I mean, are they cities or are they vehicles? It's up to you to decide. Yeah. I was say, it sounds like the answer is just yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, yeah, Airborne Kingdom is, is kind of city builder meets exploration in a fantastical uh, setting. Um, and you're right, it's very different from A Case of Distress. It's, uh, I, I, I would say the one thread that ties them together, it's something that you could never see in AAA. And mm -hmm. when people ask me, like, why did you leave AAA games? It's not because it wasn't fun. It's not because I wasn't having a good time. Like, I was making video games for a living. That's what I wanted to do my whole life, right? Um, but it, it was a specific type of video game that needed to sell a certain amount, that needed to cross some threshold. Um, and with a smaller team, with a smaller group of people, we just don't have that as a, as a limitation, which again, good and bad sides of it. Like EA, no matter what, is gonna sell a minimum threshold of games because they have all the money in the world to like throw at it, right? Um, we're an indie team, we're a little bit more scrappy. We don't have like the expertise of a 200 person team. Uh, but what we can do, like how we can fight EA is not by going like after Battlefield, it's by finding these sort of niche, cool, quaint games that, uh, that you can make. Um, Airborne Kingdom, the origin story of it is actually really interesting. So it started off as when we were just pitching ideas to one another, um, it, it, start, uh, it started with uh, ex-Visceral developers. Visceral Games shut down 
right around the time I was releasing A Case of Distrust. So it was the sort of serendipitous hmm. meeting of uh, people where, you know, I, I was finishing a game, they were looking for something not in AAA, something more creative, and it just sort of worked out. Um, I had this idea for like a bartending simulator in World War II uh occupied paris yeah get ready you hmm. all of those books don't get don't are, give away i was gonna say don't give away all your ideas because that please, sounds somebody awesome make this oh my god somebody make this it would be so good it was like a <laughs> vr concept at some point we were gonna try to get oculus to to, to fund it or whatever <laughs> um and, and then we kind of realized like uh you know that's not really the type of game that that we want and i'd been kind of burnt out on writing and i i hadn't been playing that i've been playing a lot of city builders and so had everybody on the team and so we said okay what if it's it's more of a management game what if you're managing the hotel well there's a lot of management games managing a hotel isn't that fun what if it's a hotel in the sky and then <laughs> We went from like hotel in the sky to, well, why am I just managing a hotel? Why don't I build a whole city? And then that's really when it took off. And so um, that it, it is a really roundabout way to get there. But this was all within like the first few weeks of just ideating. Um, I think the really big twist in it when uh, came when Fred, our programmer, suggested like, you know, we had the city in the sky. We had this prototype. We had a little city builder. Um, and he was like, man, it's in the sky. I want it to move somewhere. Like, I want to go places. It's, it's right here. Fred, Fred Garreau is also the, the person who sat in a room of designers who were pulling their hair out, trying to come up with a game mode in Battlefield Hardline uh, inspired by Gone in 60 Seconds that wasn't just people camping cars with rocket launchers. And uh, Fred, in his brilliance, said, what if the game is just take cars, drive fast? Uh, and if you've played Battlefield Hardline, that's the mode Hotwire. It's literally you just get points for your team by driving the cars faster in it. Um, it's like the simplest, most weirdest mode, and it, it rates like the most fun people have in it. It's like the only mode that's not standard deathmatch that still has anybody playing it these days. Um, and, and so kind of in the same way, he's like, I don't know, man, why don't we just make the city move? And uh, that wasn't that hard to do. We added like a right click to prototype. Like, wh why not? It's like an RPG. You right click, you move somewhere. Um, and that was when we realized that we had something really special there. That was when, oh, wow, there's this cool thing in the distance. There's this like resource that I really want or need or some interesting artifact that like could go well with my city. I, I can move that way, but then I lose access to what's behind me. Or then I, you know, maybe I need to keep moving because the resources below me are running out. Well, now suddenly I have movement to deal with. I have lift to deal with. I have balance to deal with. On top of, hey, I'm building a kingdom. I need people with houses. I need to give them food. I need to give them water, all this stuff. Um, so that, in, in kind of a really short summation, um, is, is how Airborne Kingdom came to be. And I think we've come up with something hopefully pretty special that, that kind of blends exploration and city building in a way that you haven't seen before and and like i said that that's really our goal coming out of triple a is to give you something new and interesting to latch onto that that hopefully is is fun for enough people that that we get to keep going and we get to keep doing this yeah um like i mentioned earlier uh i've had the uh privilege to play this um you know you've you've asked me for some feedback and stuff like that well i haven't played the the latest build necessarily i played the one before it but it pretty well the start of it goes to the same place like you start off with just the center center mass of a building and you just sort of have to go through kind of the tech tree and expand upon it um and then go from one 
one place to another and then there, there's little settlements down below you and resources like trees and water and coal and stuff that you have to try and balance to uh keep keep your city afloat now uh i'm not sure what happens if you don't do that if it's just a game over screen or if you get to witness the whole death of the whole city um but you know you, you get you you can eventually get to to even even bigger ground settlements um and stuff like that and trade with them and it, it seems like there's just a world of opportunity there for 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 creativity i i would yeah say. there's there's a lot we built a big game we kind of realized that we're like oh you know like a six hour campaign or something in a city builder that's about what frostpunk is that'd be great and it takes me who like knows the game and plays it at like triple speed like th- like seven hours to play through all of it and so I'm like really worried that it's way too big, <laughs> but um, hopefully that gives that gives people more content, right? That's us, you know. We 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 got like like every indie team does. We got too friggin' excited about our own idea, and we're like, well, yeah, but what if there was like this biome that's kind of swampy, and what if there's this other area that's all mountainous, and what if you know you found all these artifacts and all this stuff? So like, there's there's a lot in there, and. Um, you know we're we're not done with it yet there's a lot of ideas that we have that we're going to add as as uh, free dlc content to the game so we're going to keep we're, we're taking the sea of thieves route we're going to keep just keep going with it and keep adding it as long as we can awesome the difference being between you and sea of thieves is it sounds like you have a lot of content for launch i hope so yeah i hope that <laughs> i hope it doesn't come out like a wet fart oh yeah no more wet farts especially no not from your farts. team Hopefully there's enough girth in, in Airborne Kingdom. Yeah, I, I hear it. Oh, might be a sounds like a girthy so. and lengthy experience. Yeah. Best of both worlds. Spe- speaking of girth, real quick, um, <laughs> before we just uh, start to wrap up here, um, in, in, in all the playtests that you've seen, how many city dicks have been made? Well, you've made a few. A yeah. few really long One, ones, too. Yours are less girthy. Yours are pretty long. Mine are the very thing- unbalanced. Well, the good thing about a dick shape is it can be pretty balanced, right? Especially if you yeah. put a lot of weight on the base of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the game kind Two of... giant propellers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. You, you can really, you can find a way to really balance it if you want. You can even put water condensers at the very tip of it to, to yeah. really, like, give it that special, that feel. That little, yeah, I think that it... little, a little spritz on the, on yeah. the front end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had to ask AJ. I did. You had I did. to ask. Uh, anybody else have any questions uh, about uh, Airborne Kingdom or for my good friend Ben? Uh, I know you said it's kind of open ended in terms of Epic wanting to know when the game comes out, but I kind of want to know: is that do you have a target in terms of when the game's coming out, or more so, it's going to bake until it's fully cooked? So the the real answer is that it's going to bake until it's fully cooked. Um, awesome. However, we're we're pretty close to you know, the oven being done. So we, we have said that fall 2020 is our target, um, which kind of gives us a pretty uh, open range of when, when we can really hit, but it's, it's getting there. Like it's getting really close. So you can play through the whole game. You know, you can, you can unlock all the buildings. I'm, I'm really working on heavily tweaking it and balancing it now. And so um, it's, it's close. It's pretty, it's been two and a half years already. So um, I'm excited to get it out and then see what other people think about it. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited to see it. Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I know uh, Cozy just built a computer. Nathan just built a computer. Yeah. Mitch is yep. on the verge of building a computer, and I am... My fian... The, yeah, the plan is the fiancé is going to gift me a the parts yeah. for our wedding. So we'll see how that nice. goes. And I am dangerously close to dropping $3,000 on a new PC again. Uh, <laughs> Crazy so person. So we should, we should all be geared up by that time... Uh, to play it hopefully to play nice. it well on like max full ultra settings because the, the visual style of the game is if you haven't seen it go look up a trailer it, it's it, it's diff more it's it's something i haven't seen before in in terms of artistic vision for the overall that's what we're going for yeah. man and I, we just want people to say hey this is cool and it's something i haven't seen before so you 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 know my heart grew three sizes today oh you're welcome Sweet. yeah i mean i'm in agreement that i think that this game is going to be really interesting to look at and play on any of our pcs when it finally releases however i think that the real question right here that needs to be asked is is there any opportunity of it ever coming to any playstation platform and if so how easy is the platinum trophy <laughs> god damn it cozy i knew this was going to come up well, it I always a specific does. Specific backdoor for your for your PSN username, where you just have to hit X four times and you get everything, and you can you can oh, make no. the score go higher. Mm, see, I feel like that's too easy. You have to make me work for it a little bit. But cozy, it would be the new Konami code. It'd be the cozy code. Can I click a button no. ten thousand times and then get a platinum trophy? Only an only and I, or my name is Mayo. Uh, yeah, so in, in terms of console stuff, we're, we're hoping, like, I, I have a mm -hmm. PlayStation 4 myself. I am planning on getting the, the next box, hopefully. Um, so, uh, Where we, are the prices? God damn it. I know. I need yeah, to know. know. It's gonna Not be, tomorrow. Um, Not tomorrow. That's for sure. So, yeah, so we're hopeful. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're definitely looking into it, but uh, PC first because there are four of us sure. and we need to put something out. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Fair, How fair do you, enough. Um, how do you think it would translate to a controller versus mouse and keyboard? That's definitely the hardest part, for sure. Um, there are other games that have done it, which is which is nice. Like we can look at them. One of the best ones to come out recently was Frostpunk. Um, that is okay. a very good PC city mm. builder. So if you're into that genre, I would highly recommend checking that one out. Um, but that came out on consoles recently. City Skylines is out on consoles. Tropico is out on consoles. Um, so there are. Um, there are examples of how to do it, and I think my time making SimCity for mobile will uh, kind of translate a little bit to that too. There's the T-bar the that we sort of coined back then, which I think works pretty well um, on console stuff um, back then. But no, the, the honest answer to that is we're not putting it out on console right away because that's the hard part. Um, and yeah. we wouldn't want to put anything, again, like half-baked out on console either. So um, if we do it, we'll do it right. Or at least we'll do it right for us and hopefully for other people. Sweet. Yeah, and I, I think as we get closer to release, we'll be sure to talk about it more and more on this show and uh, look forward to seeing what you guys deliver come fall. Cool. Sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm also happy to come back on whenever to just uh, chat yeah. about that game or about Harvey's. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we can talk both. For sure. Har I'm always down to talk Canadian takeout food. <laughs> Video games, Harvey's, whatever alcohol we're drinking, you know. We, we... Oh, I didn't mention. I am drinking a Fria Cerveza Especial from Amsterdam Brewery. <laughs> that uh, oh, brewed, with, Amsterdam. brewed with flaked corn and lime zest. It's oh. good stuff. Okay, that's an interesting... Well, I mean, no, it's, it sounds, it, it sounds like a, a Mexican it's beer. It's almost like a Corona. Yeah. It's a, like a Mexican lager. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. 
Good to know. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and with that, I think we are going to uh, call tonight's show to a close. Thank you, everybody, for joining us live on twitch.tv. YYZ. Uh, Cozy, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Alex Casina or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Cozy Bear Live. Uh, right after this podcast records, I am actually going to be playing some more of Terminator Salvation on the PlayStation 3, oh. which is a game I've been chipping at on for quite some time now because it's an easy platinum, yeah. but of course not so easy that I feel obliged to continue playing it like from a just straight playthrough. So I'm getting back to it and we'll see how far I can get into it tonight. Good luck with that. Mitch, where can people find you? Twitter, Instagram, uh, Mr. Mitch George. Uh, you can check out, I, I retweeted my Funtime review that came out earlier today, and I've got at least a couple more in the pipeline that uh, the next one's going to be a doozy, and we'll leave it at that. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> I have words to say. Uh, follow me at the underscore NMAC. Uh, I've got a review, as mentioned earlier, dropping tomorrow for a game I'm really excited to talk about. And it sucks I couldn't talk about this episode. We'll talk about it next week, along with another game. Uh, but check out my Twitter tomorrow because I'll be posting the review there. So um, please be for excited. Those listening to the, yeah, for those listening to the audio, it's already out. So go find Nathan on Twitter. Yeah, and then tell me what a great job I did. And, that, and that'd where, be great, too. Where can we find that review? PS4blog.net. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Ben, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me personally at the Wandering Ben on Twitter. Um, the company account is at a Wandering Band. If you want to see like really cool screenshot Saturday gifts and other news of, of what we're doing, uh, we also have a Discord, which is the thing that we're the most active on. So if you actually want to just chat and talk the game, uh, go to AirborneKingdom.com. There's a link there on the Discord channel, um, and you can come chat with the devs and hang out. Well. Uh, with that, thank you so much for joining us, Ben. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I have been your host, AJ Fraser. You can find me all over the internet at Times Hero, capital T, capital H. That's Twitter, Instagram, and all that fun stuff. And uh, with that, I think we are going to bid you adieu. Thanks for hanging out, and uh, thanks for playing. <laughs>